0: glad he paid my ransom. Are you glad he paid your ransom? I was guilty. Uh, Would you um, open your precious Bible this morning to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24. We're going to read the whole chapter this morning. And uh, while you're turning, I'll give you a few moments to find it. I will be preaching out of this passage tonight as well. Be a part two, I want to encourage you to uh, not miss it, not because I'm preaching, but because of the truth, the principles that are so very important. Um, I want to say, before I preach this message, this one, uh, this one's a convicting message. Uh, This is, uh, I shouldn't use the the statement, easy preaching, there's no easy preaching. Uh, There's some that's easier to preach, there's some principles easier to preach, expound upon, but... This is a message that's very convicting because um, it's harder to live, harder to live. I didn't say impossible, and at times I believe all of us have lived this way. This is a very difficult passage of scripture, but it's so very deep with so many helpful things, and so I hope and pray that you will do your best to stay along with me this morning and then be back tonight that you won't miss the finish tonight look at verse 1 of chapter 24 now remember we're going through the life of Saul uh, David we're not missing anything we have started uh, at the beginning of his life when he was uh, uh, anointed king uh, he's not acting king yet he's still running as a fugitive but we're not skipping anything so as I'm reading I'm just reading chapter by chapter and I'm preaching on each chapter Particular this morning and tonight I'm going to preach on this whole chapter. Should be able to complete it tonight. And so next week we're going to look in 1 Samuel chapter 25. So I want you to understand something. When you preach through a book, you're not skipping. And this is very important because I want everybody to understand. If someone, because by the way, I've done it before. I've been where you've sat and I've I've had two pastors myself that I came every Sunday and sat and heard him. And I thought, man, that man's reading my mail. Man, he's getting a little cross-haired there on me. Listen, when you preach series and just go through a book, you're not picking and choosing anything. You're just preaching as it comes. Somebody say amen. Amen. I think that's helpful. I hope all of you understand that. That's helpful to me. Because then you don't have to pick and choose what to preach. You're just going right through the book. And you're giving it as God gives it. And we're going through the life of David. Let's look at verse 1. Chapter 24, 1 Samuel. And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. Now remember, King Saul is after David because he became jealous of him, because he killed Goliath, the women and all the people started singing praises to David. And by the way, we preached a whole message on the danger of jealousy. And we see that this man is consumed with killing David. Now David has already been anointed king, but yet he's, it's not, his time is not yet. So he's running like a fugitive. So I want you to understand, David's running for his life. So when Saul, the king, gathers up these thousands of men, they're going to kill him. By the way, David has only 400 men with him, so he's quite outnumbered. Look at verse 3. And he came to the sheep coats, by the way, where was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall "...seemed good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, "...the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord." So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not, not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. This is amazing to me. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt? Behold this day, thine eyes have seen how that the Lord had delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave. And some bade me kill thee, but mine eyes spared thee. I said I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father... See, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe, and killed thee not. Know thou, and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in mine hand. I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. As saith the proverb of the ancients, Wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom dost thou pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? I mean, David basically calls himself a dead dog. He said, you're chasing after a flea. The Lord therefore be judge, and judge between me and thee. And see and plead my cause and deliver me out of thine hand. And it came to pass when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me. For as much as when the Lord hath delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good for that thou hast done unto me this day. And now behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king. And that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand, swear now therefore unto me by the Lord that thou will not cut off my seed after me and that thou will not destroy my name out of the father's, out of my father's house. And David swearing unto Saul and Saul went home, but David and his men got them up into the hold. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us. Bless your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So many things come to my heart. As I read that passage, the first thing that I must say to you as I read that passage is wow. (laughs) That's my first inkling is wow. You say, Pastor, why do you say wow? What? An event. The second thing I think of is after I read this, it gives me another reason why I know God chose David as a king. This is not something you find very often. Certainly you don't find it in the world, but even sadly today you don't find it much amongst Christian people. Then the last thing that got me a little overwhelmed is there at the end. Saul knew that one day David was going to be king. And the only thing he asked him was not to hurt his son, not to kill his name. Because normally uh, when there was an enemy and someone reigned as king, you know you had to get rid of all of his offspring because they were really entitled to the throne and he begged David. And I love that David swore to him. And by the way, that reminded me and we'll look at it years we'll look at it years later. He did so in such a way. Do you remember a man by the name of Mephibosheth? He not only did not wipe out the name of Saul, but he brought Mephibosheth in to the table of the king. And that's a beautiful picture of although we were enemies with God, the great king brought us to his table. Amen. And so when we think about this passage of Scripture, the, really the thing that brings to mind is, wow, I know now one of the reasons why David was chosen by God, a man after his own heart, to be the next king. I know. Now let's look at the setting. The setting here of this passage of Scripture is we know that previous in the chapter before, uh, Saul was going to Keilah to kill David. But because the Philistines had invaded Israel, Saul had to leave and go and fight the Philistines because they had, in, they had uh, invaded his country. God had brought David out of Saul's hand again. So, Saul, so David fled and went to En Gedi. Now, En Gedi is known uh, really for place of the rocks. It's mentioned here, but En Gedi is a place where really only the goats could travel. It was such steep terrain uh, that it, only the goats, the mountain goats, could climb upon these rocks. So obviously... David was going to this place to be able to hide and to be able to have a fortress against Saul because he knew that Saul would come back after him. So he went and ran, he and his men, to En Gedi. And the Bible says that Saul realized that he was there. So he grounded up these thousands of men to go and to find David. And lo and behold, here's what's amazing. When he got to En Gedi, Saul and his men were closer than what he thought. Now, I'm not trying to be gross here this morning, but the Bible's very clear. Most of you might understand this, you might not. We say, why in the world did Saul have to stop and go into this cave? Well, the Bible used the word, he covered his feet. Can I say that as a polite way that he had to use the restroom? So now he is in this cave using the restroom. And by the way, he's not aware of it, but the very one that he seeks to kill is standing there feet from him. In a very precarious moment, to be quite honest with you, his guard was down, he had no idea, and he was in a very good place of where someone could take his life. And so, by the way, the Bible says that David's men said, look, there's your enemy. God has delivered him under your hand. It could have been very easily that David walked up behind him in the dark and stuck a sword at him, and no one would have ever known it. He would have known what hit him. So we understand the setting here. And we understand he had his enemy right in his grasp. Here's the struggle. What should David do? I don't know about you, but I know what most people would have done, especially with the counsel that he got from his men and said, hey, God's brought this man right into your, right into your grasp. Here he is, take his life. Most people would have said, yeah, this is God's will. I'm going to kill him. All my problems will be over. I won't have to run like an animal anymore. He's a sworn enemy of mine. I'm going to kill him. Do you know that Psalm 42 kind of instructs us, uh, or Psalm 142 kind of instructs us what David was struggling with in those moments as he tiptoed from the back of that cave up to the front of that cave? His boys, his men was saying, David, kill him. Right there he is. And so the Bible says he rose up Do you know what he was thinking? I'm glad you asked. You won't have to turn there, but I'm going to turn there. I'm going to read in Psalm 142, and you're going to find out what's going on in David's heart and in his mind during this time. Psalm 142 verse 1 says this, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, Then thou knewest my path In the way wherein I walked Have they privily laid a snare for me I looked on my right hand Behold but there was no man that would know me Refuge failed me No man cared for my soul So I cried unto the Lord And I said thou art my refuge And my portion in the land of the living Attend unto my cry For I am brought very low Deliver me from my persecutors For they are stronger than I Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Now, as I read this passage of scripture, and we know that this is when he was in the cave. This is between the time that his men has told him to kill him. And he's deciding, what should I do? (laughs) Can I say, the cry that we see here in Psalm 142 reveals to us that he was in a deep place of desperation. His cry is squeezed from a pressure and a moment like many of us get into as well, especially when we have to deal with people. What should he do? The advice of the men is telling him, kill him, but as he's tiptoeing up there to Saul, he's starting to call upon the Lord and say, Lord, what should I do? He's in a moment that he really is trying to seek, what should I do here? By the way, if you've lived long at all, you've been in that same place many times. We're tempted to do what's easy to do. We're tempted to do what his men said to do. And by the way, it even looked like it was the will of God because right there he is. So David's struggling in this moment. He's tempted to do what his men advise him to do, but he's not comfortable without carrying out that advice. Now again, the emotions receive more color in verse 1. He says, I poured out my complaint before the Lord. That word poured out is like someone stabbing you with a sword and the blood gushing out. It can't be helped. And he's saying, Lord, I'm walking towards this man and I don't know what I'm going to do. And by the way, yeah, there's, <laughs> David's turmoil in his heart is so very evident here. As he considers the evidence of his men, his feelings and struggles are just gushing out. He can't help. By the way, when we deal with people many times and have to make decisions in relationships and life, dealing with hostile people, dealing with people that don't like us, dealing with enemies, how should we handle them? See, so many conflicting emotions, so much distress. He, He has to make a decision on what does he have to do see in life we encounter so many moments too just like this and we understand the pressure gets too much and we've got to make decisions and by the way we all understand what a struggling relationship is we all understand that David's struggle in this cave is important to us why because the Holy Spirit has included the psalmist struggles in scripture that we might be aided in our moments of struggles as well So think about this, we need to notice what David did here. Now again, this is where it's easy to notice, hard to live. And I'm going to say to you this morning, your pastor has not always chose to live like David has lived dealing with an enemy, or dealing with someone that's hostile, or dealing with someone that's hard to deal with. I cannot say to you this morning that I've handled every person like David, but I want you to know something, we should See, these turbulent emotions, the pressure was on uh, to kill the king. But deep inside, David knew that it was not the right thing to do. So what did he do? He turned to God for help. He said, Lord, I need your help. I'm struggling here. I, I'm dealing with all these emotions. I'm dealing with this man's trying to kill me. He's a difficult person. He's hostile towards me. He doesn't like me, Lord. What should I do? Have you delivered him into my head? Mother. The boys think that I should. They think that you've delivered him into his But there's something not right. And boy, he was struggling in his heart. So I want to say the encouragement in the midst of our struggles can be helped because we see something that David did here. We can follow the example of David that's so long ago. Now think about it. Most of us and most people even right now, and of course all of the world would say David was crazy. He should have killed Saul. Yes, God delivered him right into his hand. His men even advised him. There your enemy is. God's given him into your hand. So let me just say quickly application. Sometimes not all good advice is the right advice. By the way, here's the point. You better be in tune with God yourself. Now, I appreciate and thank God for good advice, but do you know what? From time to time, I will talk to pastors and they are in another state or in another city and they don't know exactly what's going on here, but boy, they love to give advice. All pastors I know love to give advice. But can I say to you, not all pastors' advice is right because sometimes they don't know every little detail. But I'm going to tell you what trumps all of that. You better be in tune with God to know what to do. See, David was in tune with the Lord. He said, hey, I know what my boys are telling me. I know what everybody else would tell me, but Lord, I'm crying out to you. I'm asking you to guide me. And by the way, God guided him. Now, he still did wrong because he cut off the corner of the man's robe, but at least he didn't kill him. This is one of the moments why I know that God said he's a man after God's own heart. Why? Why? In this position, he dealt with a difficult person. And the way he dealt with him was just like God would have dealt with him. Now here's one of the many reasons that I know that David was a man after God's own heart. Remember in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. Because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded. He was speaking of David. Notice an act. In the New Testament, chapter 13, of the testimony to David, and when he had removed him, Saul, he raised up in them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony. The Lord gave testimony about David and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Here's the message this morning. A man after God's own heart. You say, Pastor, how do you know? Because he dealt with this enemy, this hostile person, Just like Jesus would. As a reporter was interviewing a man on his 100th birthday, the reporter asked him, he said, what are you most proud of? He said, well, I don't have an enemy in the world. He said, wow, that's quite an achievement, said the reporter. He said, yep. He said, I've outlived every last one of them. Not many of us go through life without collecting an enemy or two. You try your best to get along with people, but some people are just so tankers. It's never us, right? It's never us, it's always the other person. They just won't cooperate with us, they just won't get along with us. It's amazing. Sometimes we never think we're the trouble. It's amazing. From time to time, I'll run into people, and they've been to every church in the country, and it's amazing. They'll talk and say, "Well, I didn't stay there. Why not?" Well, so on and so. On. And I've often noticed, normally, the persons that the problem that's left the church so many times, normally. But see, we don't like to admit that. And and I wish I could say to you this morning that I have treated every enemy of mine like David did his. I I wish I could say to you that in every moment of my life, I have dealt with a difficult person just like David, but I would be lying to you this morning. Now, I will say this. There have been times I, I, I thought as I was preparing for this message... Several years ago there was a man downstairs in this building and I'm telling you right now we were having a prime timer meeting and I don't know what got into this fella. He had been stewing on something and I mean as soon as I got done with that meeting I walked down in the hall and I mean this guy come out there and I mean he let me have it. I mean let me have it boy and he said he was leaving the church and he shoved the key in my hand and I'm sitting there with my mouth gaped open. Plus I'm trying to Patch up my wounds and all my cuts. And boy, I went home that day and I struggled with it. I was like, man, and he said so many things, that was so inaccurate. Went home, boy, I settled in on that thing all day, all night. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. Now, I'm not always responding this way, but I'm going to tell you all right now. That next day, y'all know what I did. I got my dander up. I said, I'm calling it. And I called this sir, and I said, sir, I just want you to know. Boy, he was ready, boy. He was ready. He wasn't expecting me to call. And I said, brother, I just want you to know something. I said, I just want to talk to you and let you know. I don't know what went down yesterday, and I don't think it's best for you to stay here with all that you said, but I want you to know something, sir. Me and you are going to be together in heaven. And I love you. And I thank God for everything you did while you was here. And I would hope to think if we ever got to a funeral or we met each other in Walmart, we could at least speak. Why? Because we're going to be in heaven together. Do you know what that man did? He didn't know what to do. He was like, uh, 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 He didn't know. You know why I didn't? He was ready for a fight. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't say that I've never always not fly. I've had some. I wish I could tell you, yeah, your pastor handles every situation like that. But I don't, and I haven't. But that one, I'm glad I did. And you know what? Seen him not long ago in Walmart, and guess what? Hey, brother, good to see you. Hey, good to see you. Now, I wish I could say to you this morning that I've handled every enemy, every enemy issue that way i wish i could tell you that but it's difficult i didn't say it was impossible and i think this morning that we need to be a man and a woman after god's own heart and look some people even look i'll tell you right now david's a weakling for acting like this no david was a man to treat saul this way he was a spiritual man yes he did not go with every advice that his But he's told him to do. But he says, no, there's something greater. I'm in tune with the Lord. I'm a man after his own heart. What would the Lord do? And I'm glad that when I was at an enmity with God, he loved me anyway. So let's just look. So how should we deal with enemies? How should we as Christians deal with difficult people? How should we deal with hostile people? How should we deal with people that just simply don't like us? And I know that's hard to swallow because I can't imagine anybody not liking you or me. I mean, we think we're the most lovable people in the world, right? But you believe it or not, believe it or not, there are people out there just like this old man you haven't outlived yet. And they're your sworn enemy. Now, I'm thankful. I don't think at this point in my life that I have anybody out trying to kill me. Now, I don't know that for sure because obviously if somebody's out to kill me, they're certainly not going to tell me. But this is a sworn enemy because Saul has already said, I'm going to kill you. So it would think that David's got him right where he wants him, but yet David, he responded in a way that now I know one of the reasons why God said he's a man after mine own heart. So, how should we deal with difficult people? Get bitter about it? How about retaliate? Boy, we like revenge, don't we? I'll tell you right now, they gave me a piece of their mind. I'm gonna give them a piece. And sometimes, even in church, you know, we kind of do stuff subtle. You know, we do things real subtle and we try to get back at people. By the way, David did not do it even subtly. How did he deal? How should we deal with difficult people? So how? How? I believe we can find a lot of helpful things right in this passage. Number one, are y'all ready? This one's simple now. It's simple to say, a little harder to do, because there's not a one of us here that woke up this morning that wants to give mercy to an enemy. But here's what the Bible tells us in this passage of Scripture, dealing with a difficult person, a sworn enemy... Someone that's hostile towards you or just simply doesn't like you. And by the way, if you think you're going to live your life and serve the Lord and never have anybody get upset with you, you're mistaken because you are going to get people upset with you. By the way, I heard someone say, well, so-and-so should have been called to be a pastor. But Brother Larry, I learned something about a pastor. A pastor needs to care that people love him or not. But they need to understand something they have to understand that when you are preaching and standing for the Word of God, you're going to have enemies. I don't like it. It's not something you get used to. It's not something, and by the way, it hurts. You know, I think some people have this idea of preaching, like well, here right now, they're used to people getting mad at them. Well, we might, but it still hurts. Still hurts when you're misunderstood. It still hurts. But I want to say, how do we deal with it? David didn't go around and say, oh, I'll do right now. No, 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 no. He dealt with Saul in a powerful way. What did he do? He took an opportunity. Here it is now. Y'all ready? To show an enemy mercy. Ooh, 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 ooh. That, that just hurts saving. That goes against our complex to give someone that's out to give us to get us to give them mercy. The last thing we want to do is give them mercy. We want to get them, boy. Can I get a witness? Now, do you get the picture? King Saul going to the bathroom, surrounded in the darkness by his enemy's army, and let's just say this is not a good position for Saul. And if it would have been a less of a man than David, he'd have never come out of that cave. David's men seen a perfect chance to solve the problem. They understood. And so David creeps up to Saul, who is totally unaware that he's there. And David takes out his knife. And no doubt he's contemplating what to do with it. And the Bible says that he cut off the remnant, a little corner. And he raised it and he cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. Now wait a minute. When he got back, David's men said, that's not quite what we were thinking about. David, we needed you to kill him. And we won't have to run and hide with you anymore. But here's what he said. He said, but this is God's chosen. God has anointed him. He's king. He's my master. This is the authority in my life. Even though he's hunting me down, he says, I cannot lay my hand up against the Lord's anointed. Think about it. David shows mercy to Saul, not just for Saul's sake. Get a hold of this. He did not just show mercy for Saul's sake, but for God's sake. It's still hard, but it's better. The motive should always be right. You say, Pastor, how should you, why should you forgive somebody? And by the way, we always struggle with this. You say, Well, they just didn't tell me sorry right. Well, you're not supposed to thank them or forgive them because they said it right or wrong. You're to forgive them for God's sake. He forgave you. He forgave me. So if He's forgiven me, I should forgive somebody else. Or how many of y'all glad this morning God showed you mercy? No, but that just shows the difference between a man after God's own heart and a man who has turned his back on God. Saul said, hey, you did better than I would have. He said, I'd have killed you. He said, you have given good for my evil. That just goes to show you the difference between a man that's after God's own heart. See, this is how we should be with enemies. This is how we should treat difficult people. This is how we should deal with people that's out to get us. Show mercy. I know, I know that's, that's rubbing some of you wrong way right now as I say that. I get it. By the way, it rubs me the wrong way too. Doesn't change the fact that it's right. And by the way, we know it's not impossible because David did it. And By the way, we know it's not impossible to be a man after God's own heart because God said David was a man after his own heart and he certainly displayed a man after God's own heart in this particular situation. So this is how we should be with our enemies, our difficult people, when he or she is at their weakest, most vulnerable moment, when they are helpless and unaware, when you have the opportunity to take revenge, to make them pay, what should we do? Show a mercy. Save them. Forgive them. Why? This is tough. Give you two quick reasons why. I don't like either one of them. I'm just being honest with you. Y'all like honesty? How many of y'all like for your pastor stand up here and lie to you this morning and say, oh, your pastor never struggles with any of this stuff. Be like I am. Don't worry about, but look, I'd be lying to you. I'm human too. I have blood that pumps through my veins. David had blood that pumped through his veins. He was a sinner. But I want you to know something. We make conscious decisions to do the right thing or to do the wrong thing. Here's what we've learned to do. Well, I tell you right now, if they didn't want that back, they shouldn't have done it. We have I've heard so many good spiritual excuses from Christians, I'm sick of hearing them. We like, well, I tell you right now, here's why I did it. Well, wait a minute. David didn't do it. And the reason why, number one, G- Jesus commands us to. Jesus commands us to forgive our enemies, to work with our enemies as far as not working with them. And and by the way, I want you to know something. That's why it's important that you come back tonight. Because if you're not careful, you're going to think, oh, Pastor just says all of our enemies. We're just supposed to lay down and let them run all over us. David didn't do that. And by the way, we know that this was short-lived. Saul didn't mean what he says. But David was wise enough. He didn't jump down and say, all right now, buddy, and put his arm around him. The Bible said he went back to hide. Saul went to the house in just a very short time. You understand? Saul started hunting him again. But it still did not change the fact David did the right thing. But he was wise about it. You say, oh, I'll tell you what, that's a sworn enemy. Well, you better be careful putting your arm around him the next day. Be wise. Pay attention and watch. And we're going to talk about that later. But I'm talking about when we have people that are hostile, when we have people that are enemy, we have somebody that's out to get us. The Bible says we're to show them mercy. Why? Luke 6.27 says this. But I say unto you, which here, love your enemies. You know what? I've learned this. Loving someone don't mean that you got to be with them. It wasn't safe for David to be right there side by side with Saul. But the Bible, I believe he loves David. He loves Saul. He commands us to love our enemies. Here's what the Bible says. Do good to them which hate you. Boy, that's tough. It's hard for us to even speak to them. I'm going to be honest with you. I run into people at Walmart. Here's what's amazing to me. They've come up in our church. Some of them's even rode on our buses for years for years hug on us love on us Get they get out and man I see them at Walmart and they're like here's what they do y'all ready they act like they don't see you you say what well, how you speak you know what I make them speak I make them. Why? Because that's showing them mercy. Saying, hey, listen, and by the way, you say, Pastor, is that easy for you to do? No, it's just as easy as it is for you. I have to make myself do it. That's showing mercy. Jesus commanded us to do good to them that hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which deceitfully use you. That's tough preaching, man. But Jesus commanded us to be that way. Quickly, can I just say two reasons. Number one, Jesus commands you to love your enemies. To do good in the ones that don't like you. That's tough, but it's possible. Number two, when you show mercy to your enemies, you're most like your heavenly father. Did y'all notice in my prayer earlier today, do y'all know Jesus did not die for a friend? I was not his friend. You weren't his friend. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means? We were enemies of God. He didn't die for his friend. By the way, who wouldn't die for their children, but who would die for an enemy? God gave his own son for me. When you show mercy to your enemies, you're most like your heavenly Father. How many of you are a Christian? Y'all know what it means to be a Christian? It's to be Christ-like. God help us. I don't see much of this in churches anymore. Here's what I say: right there, right now, I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm gonna get them. Luke chapter six, verse thirty-two. Look at this: for if you love them which love you, what thank have you? In other words, if you love somebody, who loves you back. That don't take no work. Lost people know how to do that. But what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, in other words, if you scratch their back because they scratch your back, that's nothing new. There's no power in that. Verse 34, And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. Boy, that's tough, man. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your father also is merciful. Who won this battle? (laughs) David did. He said, oh, no, he lost. He had the enemy right there. No, I'm going to tell you why he won, because he obeyed God. He did what God wanted him to do. He did not violate his conscience. Hey, he certainly was following God's heart, not his or other people's. You know what I'm afraid most Christians do? They're following somebody else's stuff. i come across this. I'm going to probably close. By the way, you've got to come back tonight. i got two more really good things, man. I mean, they're, they're, they're powerful. Help you. It'll help you. But I'm going to stop right here and Take Every opportunity to Show the Enemy Mercy. I'm going to read something. I found this. I found this as I was studying. I had to double-check to make sure it's a true story. It's true. There is a statue of this man up in this little town in Pennsylvania. I was shocked when I read it. I said, that can't be true. And so I looked it up and found. I found an old newspaper clipping. During the Revolutionary War, there lived a Baptist pastor. He was in the little town of afraid I don't really know how to pronounce it, but in Pennsylvania. And his name was Peter Miller. Now, what's interesting is... Um, His close friend was George Washington. Now remember, George Washington was the first president of the United States, but at this particular time, he was the captain over all of the American forces fighting for our freedom over the England army. In that same town of Ephrata, Pennsylvania, lived a man by the name of Michael Whitman. Now here's what I found out that I thought was interesting, because the first story I read didn't give a lot of detail, but Michael Whitman was a deacon in a reformed church. I thought that interesting, and Mr. Miller, the pastor, had been a member of that church, this Reformed church in Pennsylvania. Well, Mr. Miller left that church and became a Baptist preacher, and this man, Michael Whitman, swore him off as a sworn enemy. I thought it was interesting because, like I said, the first one I read, I was like, why did this guy, they painted him like he was some mean, evil man. Michael Whitman wasn't. He was a deacon in a church that got mad at this pastor, and he did everything. He even, I read one account where this man struck this pastor and fought with him and busted his mouth, gave him a black eye, and I mean, physically fought with him. What happened was Mr. Whitman uh, had uh, some business things going on and he had a hotel. We had some men there that come to the hotel and what they didn't know is they were Tories. They were men that were siding in spies with the British Army. What happened was uh, this Mr. Whitman had done all he could to this Peter Miller now he's caught in a bad situation because now the Continental Army have caught him and they think he's in cahoots with the British Army and they him for a spy. This moved me. Michael Whitman was caught in a pot against the Colonial Army and was arrested and sentenced to death. When the old preacher heard about Whitman's arrest, he started out on foot and walked 70 miles to Philadelphia to plead for this man's life his friend George Washington looked at him and says no Peter I cannot grant you the life of your friend and Mr. Miller the preacher said he's not my friend he's the bitterest enemy I have And Washington cried and said, what? you walked 70 miles to save this man's life, and he's your enemy. George Washington said, that puts the matter in a different light. I will grant you the pardon. And he did. Peter Miller took Michael Whitman home. Guess what? They came best of friends. He was no longer his enemy, but a friend. You know, it's amazing. It might not always work out that way, but I'm going, to show you, I'm going to tell you something right now. It happened here for a short time, even with Saul. When we show people mercy that we show that they don't even expect to have, it speaks to their hearts. By the way, do you know what speaks to my heart about my heavenly father? Is I was an enemy, not a friend of his, yet he showed me mercy. That amazes me, because I know what it feels like to not be liked. I know what it feels like to be picked apart. I know what it feels like for somebody to just simply not like you. By the way, it hurts. By the way, it hurts God, too. But yet, through all of that, Even the ones that stand up and they shake their fist at God and say, I don't believe in you. I hate you. I've heard people absolutely just shout out and say they don't believe in God. And if he is there, they hate him. You know what's amazing to me? He died for people like that. And this is a beautiful picture. Mr. Miller and Mr. Whitman is exactly what Jesus did for us. While I was an enemy, he died for me anyhow. When I didn't have him on my mind, he had me on his mind. When I wasn't faithful to him, he's always faithful to me. I'm glad that he's a friend that's sticking close to a brother. I'm glad that he showed me mercy. You think about that the next time you get ready to get on somebody. You think about that the next time someone in church just rubs you the wrong way. You think about that the next time your family member might not do what you think they ought to do or say. You think about that when God showed you mercy. Look, you know what people need to see? They need to see Christians act like Christians. I'm going to be honest with you. I can't differentiate between the two most of the time now. And I just want to say, most people you talk to, they give you every excuse to do the wrong thing. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. Well, there's some things that the Bible don't say that common sense tells you. I mean, it's common sense. But by the way, I believe the book gives us everything we need to know. If it's not there, well, give me chapter and verse. Well, I might not give you chapter and verse, but I'll give you a principle. And here's a principle. I'm not telling you, pastor's always giving people that's his enemy mercy, but I should. Say, oh, pastor, that's for the weak. No, it's really not for the weak. What if you gain a friend? Oh, anybody can fight fire with fire. Anybody can give them a piece of their mind. I think Ms. Laura put up on Facebook the other day, a pastor's wife, instead of giving them a piece of my mind, I ought to give them a piece of my heart. Instead of giving them a piece of my mind, let's give them a piece of my heart. You know what? There wouldn't be no church splits if everybody gave them a piece of their heart, not a piece of their mind. There wouldn't be no people fussing and arguing in, a church, arguing in a church if we was being willing to treat people like this and to give people mercy instead of get the, new, get the noose. I have to say this. I Pastors are kind of built this way. You know, I was at college for five years and, and different things. And a lot of them young college guys, man, they were mischievous. And I'll never forget... That was one of the things that I heard some people say about Pastor Sexton all the time. I said, man, i tell you what, he gets them in his office, he always gives them another chance. By the way, that's kind of like a pastor. You know, don't let me sell nothing because I'm going to tell you what, I won't sell it, I'll give it to you. By the way, I wish everything around here was free. That's just the way it is for me. I'd I just soon I'd give it away. And I'm always told, you know, these pastors that have these bookstores, you know, the pastor's just wanting to give the stuff away, and the people in the business all say, whoa, keep the pastor out of here. It's just in us. But it ought to be in every Christian. But I want to be honest with you, I want to make myself human here. It's not in me if somebody's done me wrong. Look look here now. I'm not so spiritual, neither is David, that I'm just so spiritual that we think, oh, we're going to do this every time. No, but I'm going to tell you something. This passage of Scripture has convicted me. You know what? I'm looking at it right now, and I don't even see an enemy. But I got him. You know what helped me? I needed this right at the right time. Because you know what? I have a sneaky suspicion. I've been in it a long time. I would never dream that anybody goes to their home or at a restaurant and puts me on rotisserie mode. That never happens, does it? Certainly no. And you know what? If I sit and dwell on that stuff, that will drive me nuts. But you know what? I'm going to say, here's how I'm going to look at it. Well, if you want to spend your time at lunch roasting me, have at it. You better hope to God I don't roast you. Because then we're in a mess. How about we do this? How about we just live like that? How about we just be a man or a woman after God's own heart? And how about we show mercy? Why? Because God showed us mercy. How many of y'all thankful God showed you mercy? Now let's not let this just, oh, that's, that's, pastor, that's convicting, and boy, that's helpful, but I'm going to walk out of this door, and I'm going to, I'm going to do fine until somebody crosses me. No, you ought to just do this even if somebody crosses you. God help us, amen. You say, pastor, why do you preach this on a Sunday morning? Because I can't skip it. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you can't see the Lord Jesus in this, you can't see him. The reason we ought to treat our enemies like this is because it's how God treated us. He gave me mercy. You think about that. I need to think about that next time when I'm going to say. That'll get them. And you know there's so many cowards today, they get on Facebook and do it on Facebook. And they don't even have enough man or woman about them to at least talk to somebody like the Bible says face to face. They throw this stuff out, cause a big war. Look here, people that's following God after God's own heart, they they are a million miles from that stuff. They're going to show mercy, amen? Now y'all are going to say, Pastor, you go practice what you preach, wait till I get the next bad text. Y'all know what I'm going to do? Y'all ready? Here's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to tell y'all before God, I'm going to make my wife help me keep this promise. I'm going to say I love you too. God bless you. I'm going to be praying for you. Now let me ask y'all a question. You think you may as well fight after that? The Bible does say a soft answer turneth away. Y'all think God's word works? How in the world can someone keep being an enemy And say I love you brother I love you ma'am God bless you I'm sorry you feel that way But you know what I love you I'm sorry that I failed you Hey look David And we're going to talk about the communication part tonight It's powerful God help us to deal with people like this Amen? Amen Why God showed us mercy We ought to show others mercy Let's stand to our feet How many of you this morning are glad You're glad How many of you know you as an enemy with God? But how many of you are glad that he loved you and saved you anyhow? Now, with head bowed and eyes closed this morning, you say, Pastor, this is tough preaching. I know it is. I know it is. Tough, tough stuff. But God help us. He can help us. But as I close and give the application, you say, Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning, and I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I, I know that Jesus died for me, but I don't know if I've ever trusted Him as my personal Savior. Listen, take care of it today. Take care of it today. We're going to play just a quick invitation. Would you come? You say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I don't know for sure if I die. I'm going to heaven. But boy, the Lord's speaking to my heart. I want to know. I want to know for sure that I'm saved. I'm glad that He loved me even though I was an enemy. He gave me mercy. How many of you know somebody that needs to hear this message? You know anybody that needs to hear this? They're bitter. They're bitter. How many of you know somebody like that? Would you raise your hand? Get the CD for them. Or tell them to get online and listen to it. And tonight, I'm going to ask you now, you need to be back tonight. It gets into the, I mean, the real practical stuff tonight. What did David do? Yes, he showed him mercy. But here's what's amazing. He talked to him. He communicated with him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, there's so much here. So little time to share it. I pray you'll teach us now. Help us, convict us, change us. We all need change. Lord, we have this old nasty flesh in us. It craves to do the wrong thing. It craves for revenge. It craves for retaliation. God, I pray you'll help us to be like thee. We'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people say it. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Be back tonight.